Hey guys, have you ever wondered how can you market an app? I got the answer right here and many more answers in today's episode of Successful Network Podcast. I'm with Maximilian Lechmann, amazing German guy. He's the second German guy we interview, by the way, or third. <laughs> okay, a bit of a uh, miss, but yeah. Take the second German guy, and he dropped some value bombs. I mean, are Germans some kind of uh, intelligent creatures or anything? Every German we have on the show is dropping some real value bombs. Maximilian is an app marketer, but not not just app marketer actually. More than that, in this interview you hear his amazing story. By the way, long story short, it's going to blow your mind. It's like a story from a Hollywood movie. Not kidding. His passion, how he could be the next Marcus Brownlee but quit too soon, how he became consistent again, and many more. So yeah, guys, listen to the interview, leave me a testimonial, and make sure to connect with Max. I would love if you do it. Okay, Max. The recording. Yeah, you can call me Max. No problem. (laughs) All right, man. I want to say one big welcome to the podcast, the 43rd episode of it, to be exact. Amazing revolutionary day right here. And thank you for contributing to it. But before actually jumping into more important questions, tell us something unique and interesting about yourself. Oh, something unique. Um, Yeah, I guess I see myself as an as a dreamer and almost everywhere where I get into the room, I feel like I have the biggest dreams. So that's sort of unique about me. At least I, I, I think like that and there were some experiences that showed that. Um, so I don't have fear of, of dreaming big um, because I, I see many people actually limiting their own dreams. Well, that's true, to be honest. Mm. I, okay, now, why, why don't you tell us your story, your personal story? Okay. So, yeah, in, in terms of story, uh, where do you want me to start? <laughs> do you want the entrepreneurial story, like the last years of me starting my business, or just in general, how the- I got into that? The first year of your of your doing, man, of your, like, from a child to now. I want to know all of it, <laughs> if you want to share it, of course. Um, yeah, that's 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 no problem. Um, actually, there there were a couple of things that prepared me to to be where I'm currently at, um, because I I certainly believe that things that are happening in our present are sort of uh, prepared in the past so um, my father for example was someone who was very entrepreneurial himself when he was my age he was uh, quite successful um, like uh, the, the the classic the big car the house um, the the great woman um, and all of that, uh, I have many pictures of me actually playing with money. <laughs> so I, I was always around money. Um, so that is that is quite interesting. And I think this is also where sort of my drive is coming from. Um, 
so my, my father was always entrepreneurial and my mother is uh, sort of an artist. She was a singer. She was uh, playing in, in, in smaller movies, preparing her career in that area. And so I was very little seeing those uh, both worlds. And then from one second of, uh, to another, everything changed. Um, my father lost everything. <laughs> Uh, and he he got bankrupt and sort of like the mess started happening so like from zero to five years old I had everything I guess and then from one second uh, to another we had nothing and uh, it also was that my parents got divorced because of that bankruptcy and uh, always fighting because of money. And then from one second to another, they were like, okay, we can't live together. That, that doesn't work anymore. So yeah, that, that was like the, the main experience of me being a child, like having this, this major change where I was rich basically, and then I was really poor. And, um, and then I had a, you know, Ty Lopez, right? Yeah, yeah I know that. Um, he, not personally, but not yet, my friend. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> not One yet, day you will interview him as well. Um, so there, there, um, there was like uh, why I resonate with Ty Lopez is because he's uh, um, the child of a single mom, and uh, his father was like in jail, so a little more extreme than than, than my story. Um, but then, yeah, we were basically just like trying to survive and um, making ends meet and yeah, being very defensive because my mother didn't have a lot of skills besides acting and singing and she couldn't really pursue that dream because of me and then also because of my sister and things like that. So um, there were ups and downs emotionally. Um, but I'm really grateful for, for everything because my, my mother induced in, into me uh, a lot of good qualities, um, which I'm very happy that, that she did, uh, in particular to actually have a hunger for life. So like, um, and like seeing behind the curtain because the, the, the life that we all think we are living is not necessarily the life which is reality. Like everybody of us perceives reality in a, in a different manner. Um, so for you, reality looks totally different. You have totally different social circles and totally different friends, influences than me or than other people here, for example, in that, in that place where I'm working. Um, so yeah, I, I had a lot of perspectives that I could really take a look at. My father's passionate about food and, and organic food and healthy food. My mother is sort of very spiritual. Um, and that way I, I could always learn a lot. Um, and then I, I was really like thinking, my father was saying, okay, when you are 30, you will basically, he, he had a, like a saying for that. When you are 30, you will close the sack. So you will, that you will fill the sack with a lot of money and then when you're 30 you will close the sack and you will not work anymore and and this was always his dream so his dream was and my dream sort of 
Um, so I started school and, and wanted to be entrepreneurial somehow. So this is why I like your story, for example. I, I just like that you decided at a young age to do something. Like, um, do, do you have a personal episode yet where you share why you're doing what you're doing, Nicola? Oh, by the way, that's a nice idea. I haven't. I guess a lot of people would like to know that. I, I was speaking to friends of mine and I was like, yeah, there's this young guy. He's like 13, 14 and he's doing, he's podcasting. Um, he's doing podca podcasts and interviews with like people from my network. So I was actually impressed when I saw the, the interview with Fabian. Um, then I was like, okay, this guy's legit. Uh, let's also do that. Um, so yeah, I guess people would resonate with that. You should do it. Okay, that's some idea I'm going to write down after the interview and do it right away. <laughs> very good, very good. So um, yeah, to, to, to make the story a little shorter, like I, I um, got into school like a normal kid, but I was always trying to do something. Like um, I tried to do, earn money, uh, over the internet when there was like almost no one really th talking about that my friends were thinking I was crazy I was clicking on ads um, to actually earn money it was totally a confusing system and I tried to figure things out I also had a blog where I wanted to share my story of sort of how I'm earning money online it was called cash breeze cashpriest.weebly.com <laughs> uh, actually um, because I, I couldn't afford the, the web domain so I had a free web domain <laughs> and, and stuff like that just like going through school trying to earn money here and there I ended up getting um, getting actually into almost a lawsuit because I, I took my website and I wanted to implement it on, on Google and all the search mach machines, search engines. And in this process, I sort of got into a service that just cost money. And they didn't say that on the website. And then one week later, when I used that service, um, I thought, okay, now the traffic is coming to my blog. But actually, a bill, an invoice was coming and I had to pay 150 euros. And that was a lot of money. Just like, I'm, a, I'm how old was I? I was 15, I guess, 15, 16. Like, that was a lot of money. I was just reselling games with friends, um, but we, by no means I was making money. So, tried to pay that bill. But that was the first really big learning. Like, don't give up when you like work for six months or something like that and you make 35 euros <laughs> in hundreds of hours and then you have to repay 150 euros like that really was a moment where i was thinking okay this dream of earning money on the internet should i really really pursue that um and and i stopped so that was actually something that stopped me but I still had this idea in the back of my head. Um, I had friends that actually are into gaming. So we were big into gaming, meeting for wireless LAN parties. I was also fortunate to be in the first 
class um, that has laptops for, for being in school. That was quite cool. So we had laptops and we had a lot of time. So we were just gaming. And always when I was like playing with my friends, I was like, okay, we are here playing video games, but actually I want to do something with my life. I wonder what happens when I'm 25. So like what, what kind of person will I be? And um, so I was always like dreaming about like being this young millionaire in a car and like <laughs> stuff like that. Maybe you know it, Nicola, because I, I, I guess you, you must have a certain drive, right? Like to do something. Yeah, I had that thought before, but you know, Instagram is the king now, so everyone can post a picture of their, if they like a Lamborghini and, they, and everyone can compare themselves, which is bad. Yeah. So. Yeah, but still, like, do you have this dream? Like, uh, because it's it's easy to be. What I noticed through social media, it's easy to be a little bitter about life, because like everybody is driving fat cars, and then uh, what the word that I'm searching is cynicism. And Ty Lopez is actually also saying that in his 67 steps you can't become a cynicist, like um, actually being sarcastic about life. This is what kills many people because they are like, oh yeah, I have this dream, but everybody is on social media, so my dream sucks and stuff like that. Like, this is actually what is killing dreams. And when I noticed one thing in, uh, in life, it's really important to protect your dream, like uh, actually do something that, that you will keep on dreaming and actually make your dreams bigger and build upon them. There's something, I don't know, maybe you know about it yet, but there's something called dream building. I came across it uh, one year ago or so, uh, something like that. And since that, I, I deliberately actually build up my dreams. And I recommend that to everyone. Like really have a folder where you put in pictures of what you want um, or have a, have a document on your PC or uh, on your phone. Um, just download an app that, has, that is called Dreamboard and keep on dreaming because it's so easy in our everyday life to actually be like, okay, I'm getting up. I have to go to school. People suck. People are pulling me down. And then... Um, yeah, like getting your drive killed is the easiest thing ever. Like alcohol was invented for that, but that's another story. <laughs> um, I'm drifting off a little bit. Do you, do you want me to continue with my school or like getting into how I started the, the business that I'm currently in? Well, let's finish up with the school and then the business journey because it's really got interesting right here. Okay. So the, the school was, um, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, the, it, was, it was always clear that I'm not perfect for school. I was decent because I, I like to talk, I am communicative, and uh, I was always able to talk with the teachers and actually make my grades better than they should have been. So <laughs> that, that, that was one talent of mine. Um, so I, I always try to do something besides school. And after the cash priest thing didn't work, 
a few years after actually, when I was 19, I guess, I started another blog because I was like, okay, I'm like, there were some things that I also did. I always had a YouTube video here and there. Um, I also always tried to like sell games and, and like resell them um, and make a profit of that with a friend of mine. But um, I, I was more of a consumer than actually someone who was producing something worthwhile or something like that. So it's so not really entrepreneurial. I just had a, a, the sense that I wanted to do something, but I never found it. I, I always like to think about like when I, when I was um, having my first iPhone, I was really passionate about iPhones. Uh, I was jailbreaking them. I was hacking them. I was... Um, trying to get the most out of them. So then I started to have a YouTube channel where I was actually sharing my stories, where I was jailbreaking and getting games for my iPhone. And um, from that experience, just like hacking around with my iPhone, I thought, hmm, you know what? Maybe people are interested in how I do it. And um, I share my story. So I like to think about myself sometimes if I would have continued doing that, then I could have been someone like MK, MKBHD. Do you know him? Um, was that some kind of uh, the reviews on his channel? I just can't remember. I've heard his name, but can't remember. Ma Marcus Brown Lee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now yeah. I get it. So, so he is like... Uh, we, we started at the same time, sort of, um, but I did, to, to give you perspective, I did 10 videos and he did thousands of them. He had like the muscle, the, the, the consistency muscle is amazing. He's still continuing on what he was starting when he was 16. And I have deep respect for people that can stick to something for so long um, because like, they are not giving up. They are learning from what is not working. And instead of giving up because something is not working, they actually double down on that. They learn how to improve their craft. They buy more equipment. I always was someone, I don't want to play like the, the victim or something like that, but I always was someone who got stuck from, I don't have enough money to buy X, Y, Z. I, um, I don't have the time. I was always someone who was searching for excuses. Um, and I'm really open about that because this is, I did 10 videos and then I didn't get the traction and I wanted it, so I gave up. So um, yeah, uh, I started a blog about apps and this is what got me actually sort of into the area that I'm currently in. So I, I was passionate about the iPhone. I was researching Steve Jobs actually and like really passionate about, about his work. And um, when I started, uh, when I got out of my A-level and when I started university, the whole block mobile blade really got started. Like that was, I was approximately 20, 21 just uh, thought, okay, I will become this under 30 guy who already has his life figured out um, and who will work at SAP, which is a big corporate in Germany. And I will be one of the biggest consultants there are um, or somewhat 
a manager in a leading position, something like that. Uh, so I started studying with this dream and this dream came from my father. So I always, if there are young entrepreneurs listening to your podcast, think about your motives. Like what is motivating you? Is it your own dream or is it the dream of someone in your environment? Because if it's not your own dream, it's not as powerful. Um, and if you make the, the dream that you got induced by sort of um, your own dream, then that can be very powerful, but at least you know where's this, where's this actually coming from? Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? It's really important because otherwise you will end up being 40 and like getting awake and being like, okay, what the f hell did I do <laughs> with my life? Why didn't I live my life? Why did I live the life that others wanted me to live? Um, so yeah, be, be really careful about that. And when I started my blog, I really thought about, okay, now I have this consistency. It was still a struggle, but I did publish more uh, articles. I had no traction at all, but I still published them because I was passionate about apps. The idea was I was sort of frustrated that everybody in my environment was just using the iPhone for WhatsApp, for YouTube, and for Facebook. That's all there is. But ignoring that there are millions of apps that are actually highly useful, or let's say tens of thousands of apps that are useful, there's also a lot of crap out there. But there's also some like apps that can change your life, that can improve your productivity, that actually can help you go through studying. And this is what I was doing. I was sort of documenting my path on which apps I'm using only studying with apps. I only had an iPad, I only had an iPhone, and that was the only thing I was using. I was limiting my usage of paper. Um, so I, I just wanted to show, okay, you can actually just use an iPad to go through college. So I was doing that. I was like, having making my notes on the iPad and stuff like that was no problem. You just need the right kind of apps for that. Um, and Nicola, I guess you're also using an iPad, aren't you? Yeah, I am, but I'm using mostly for edits. Okay. But yeah, you, you can just like be very productive only with an iPad. Um, and and I, I, I feel it when, when, when you try to get the most out of your iPad. I really feel that because I, I was the same. Um, and during, during my, my study, I, I was continuing to having this blog. And then like the, f the first semester, the second semester, the third semester, everything like uh, I, I sort of, I got a lot of things right. I also learned a lot of my weakness. I was very bad at informatics actually. So it's funny that I'm uh, actually having a lot of uh, contact with programmers um, and developers but I'm myself really not good at developing anything. Um, I don't have that mindset. I'm rather a marketer. I'm, I'm rather, rather interested in human psychology, what drives uh, humans and what is consciousness and, and things like that. But um, so I was studying and then the fifth semester came and I had to realize, okay, I'm actually not good at that. I'm, I'm, I, I, I sort of have to find something else. 
And then uh, because of my blog, which I continued, I had contact with a couple of apps and I learned a little bit about app promotion, but I wasn't really like good at it. I also had no deals, nothing like that. No momentum at all. Like momentum was a big lag. <laughs> uh, so uh, you're much further down than I was at 20. Let's, let's put it like that. <laughs> much more momentum. Um, and uh, but one thing was awesome I always had a certain awareness about the market and, and curiosity about the market about the app market so I was not making money of it of my blog but it helped me to to understand that there's actually something like app marketing because I was learning SEO to improve my my blog um, to get more traffic I learned SEO and while I was um, I, I vividly remember it while I was sitting at the at a tram station. I was searching for information um, on my iPhone and then I came on a blog and it said there's SEO for apps. And this moment struck me. I was like, damn it, really? There's SEO for apps? That's crazy. In one second, I decided to actually start an agency and I already saw myself highly successful with this agency and like this big office and like being free, doing whatever. And then in the next second, I was like, hmm, I have no idea how to do it. Maybe I should learn it first. <laughs> so I, um, I googled SEO for apps, found out that it's called ASO, Apps Optimization. And then I Googled App Store Optimization Berlin agency. And there were, I, I don't lie to you, it's like three results that are relevant. Three agencies in, in the whole of Berlin. And when you now uh, Google it, it's like hundreds or 20, 30, 40, 50 agencies at least that also offer that. So uh, it was really early. The first result, I, I grabbed the phone, called them, and I was like, uh, yeah, I just saw that you are doing ASO. Uh, I want to learn that. And he was like, hey, yeah, awesome that you call. We are searching for someone. Great, come over. So then one day later, I was at their office. I told them that I'm having a blog uh, about apps and that I'm passionate about the technology. I was jailbreaking my phone, yada, yada. And they were like, okay, you're perfect. Start tomorrow. But we can't pay you a lot of money. So I was sort of in an internship, and, but I was hungry, like hungry for knowledge. I was getting in there and I totally forgot my, forgot my uh, college, like that I tried to, to study. Uh, I changed colleges, um, made that attempt, and I was there for one lecture, uh, actually one very important lecture, Sometimes you, you have situations where you're like, okay, I'm wasting my time, but it, it shows that this was like one of the most important lectures ever because it was a guy who was very passionate about marketing and he was so passionate jumping around uh, in front of the classroom and he was like, actually, why, why are you guys not that passionate because I'm like giving you the best lecture of my life. He said that actually. So uh, a, a very um cool guy and i learned okay this this mix of marketing and apps and seo aso this is what i want to do 
And there I made the decision to drop out of college and start doing that full time. Even when I was on a shoestring budget, like I, I earned 450 euros maybe, um, which is like part time internship level, uh, but yeah, very, very low money um, that I actually earned, but I learned a lot. And um, so I continued learning. And that, is, that, that was a pattern that continued, can, continued uh, through my career. Um, after 12 months or one and a half years, I wanted to go to a conference um, with the guys. So we were very close and uh, they wanted to build me up as, as one of the leaders in this area in, in Germany. And we wanted to dominate the market. But then like my, so my entrepreneurial spirit drifted basically like in between the plans that they had for me because I felt what they are doing, I can do that on my own. So I decided to become a freelancer and I didn't have a lot of money on my bank. Uh, only three months of full-time pay because at some point they decided okay he's working so much he's he's like the, the one leaving the office as as the last person and he's earning the, the least um and uh yeah so i didn't have a lot of money to my name but i wanted to do that so i i got fired um or i quit my job and then I thought, okay, I'm making my own website. I'm starting to blog about apps optimization. I'm going to events and document these. Uh, and then I have written an ebook, which took like half a year and uh, nobody really cared. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of trial and error being a freelancer. Uh, a lot of limitations like uh, poor money limitations, skill limitations, no clients, but I continued. But at one point I was like, okay, I'm not selling a lot. I was having deals here and there, my, my first clients. My first client I got from, actually from a conference where I was with my father and he was like, do you have a business card? He always asked like some, some things. Do you have an office? No. Okay, you need an office. Uh, you need a good name on your business card, um, like a good address on your business card. So he had a little kind of advice because he, he was in that game himself. Um, and, and so I, I started listening a little bit to him. Um, not too much because he, he stopped being an entrepreneur, got more into art and like helping artists and things like that. Um, sort of weird but uh yeah <laughs> he has his life i have mine um but uh i i still really respect him for what he did and so i listened to him i got to the conference spoke to basically every app on 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 that conference um i spent my last money on a conference uh, that was at the hilton hotel in 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 berlin and uh i got my my only suit uh, on and like try to be serious uh, at that event uh, and network and, and it was awesome. Like that was a great jumping pad, but I spent like my last 1,200 euros on that event. Um, 
but yeah, I definitely got my return um, from that. So it, it's really about like being resourceful, as Tony Robbins said um, or says. It's, it's really about, okay, conference doesn't work, maybe uh, XYZ doesn't work, but then that works, and like just trial and error, trial and error. So I, uh, at one conference, I then got my first client, and which is very interesting, this first client, they didn't gi uh, give me a lot of money because it was a guy who had an idea for a quiz app, but I gave my heart to, to that app. Like I, I uh, researched, everything about it like keyword wise um and then uh two years later this became my biggest client that i, that I had but um my second client was an indie developer that i followed around and, and got mentored by without really calling him my mentor we just spent a lot of time and learned from each other and he paid me well. So I, I had someone paying me actually a fair amount of money. So I had like two, three clients maybe um, making ends meet almost. Like uh, I, I never wanted to, to take a job. I tried taking, taking a side job like as a pizza guy or something like that, but it didn't work out. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> like when, when you are now in this game, it really depends on your personality. Like, uh, if you feel okay, that's 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 not the path that I should take. Then, well, maybe you're not good for that. You know what I mean, right? Like, yeah, having side jobs. You said you you have a, a side hustle, right? Yeah, working on it right now. Cool. We, which, by the way, it's actually not just side hustle, but a future project I'm planning on expanding about CEO. <laughs> But still, at the beginning, so much things to get cleared. He he wants to make you CEO. No, I mean I want to learn the whole CEO thing at all. But with you uh, know the YouTube keyword research, huh? You know the that keyword research on YouTube. Yeah. I'm actually trying to master that and then work for you know some famous YouTubers. Actually, do their keyword research. Ah, but, that's. That's a good niche. I was actually like, um, yeah, I came, I came across and basically learned everywhere where there's an algorithm, someone is needed because optimization is always a tough pill to swallow and most people aren't doing it effectively. I actually know someone who, is, uh, who became like a brand strategist on YouTube. Um, he followed uh, he, he like documented the, the journey of one of the most famous girls in the fitness industry and this made him popular and actually a millionaire. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a good niche. Think about that for sure. Having, having such a tangible skill uh, can really be valuable. It's a good idea. But may, maybe if I can give you a, a tip Try before you learn it, before you really dive deep into it and try to master that skill, actually speak to people. Actually ask pe people if they would buy it, if they are already doing it, if they would spend money on it. That's a very big point. And if the pain is strong enough, because when the famous YouTuber is like, ah, yeah, I'm like having viral videos, that's cool enough. 
I don't really know the algorithm. I just know that the longest my the longer my videos are viewed, the better, blah blah blah. And uh, he's saying like, yeah, I'm doing keyword research myself. That's no big deal. Then he has no idea. But it's very hard to sell something that people a don't know and b don't want. That's so hard. And optimization depends on the market. The, the American market is different than, for example, Europe and, and Germany. But in Germany, selling optimization is, is really tough because people aren't really having that mindset. So first of all, you have to sell the mindset to actually need optimization. Um, so yeah, maybe speak to some big YouTubers first. I'll make sure to do that. <laughs> Thank you, man, for the tip. I'm going to write it down. So, so before actually diving to your business journey, I want to point out some things. Yes. First, I had, uh, like you said, I really had the thought of becoming you know, a young millionaire at 20 or 18, having that car and such, but when, uh, that was for two years ago. And when I, when I saw that uh, quote, everyone wants to be successful, but when they see what it takes, they fail. I mm. got scared. I got scared. I got scared it's going to be hard. Mm. So that's why when I actually started to learning what it does takes to succeed. Mm. And then one year, one year and a half, I believe, I was looking, I was just lurking with some business ideas and such, failed every, everything I got. Then I found mm -hmm. out my mentor, he mentored me some things about podcasting and here we go, 40, 43 episodes right now. Nice. Like, Great. Okay, so now can you dig deeper on how can you help the new app have a dent in the universe? I'm oh, quoting you. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is a that is a great question. So when you think about the average app, um, this is something that frustrated me right from the beginning when I was working at agencies, because their idea of growth of growing an app mobile growth, app growth, however, however you want to call it, is that you spend a lot of money on ads. So what I was doing at, the, at those agencies was A, I was selling ASO, but I was selling it wrong. We will get into that uh, at a later stage. But B, yeah. I was um, selling ads. And there are two types of ads. The first one is you have an ad on something like Facebook. So it's, it's a direct response ad, a banner ad that people click on and then you pay for each install. Very simple. Uh, it can get uh, complicated, but the basic concept is very simple. So that's the first concept. The second concept is you have things like incentivized installs. So these are people that don't really want to download your app because they want your app, but they want to get something in exchange for the download. They get points in the game, for example. When you have Farmville, um, you run out of points and then you get an offer. Do you want to download this app for 10 new points? So basically the, the user is not highly engaged. And, and now you can ask, who's the idiot that is selling something like that? I was the idiot. <laughs> so I was selling incentivized downloads. And, my, and, and the CEO of the company that I was working for 
one of the agencies I was working for. A, a cool guy, no questions asked, but very limited in his idea on how to actually grow an app. So uh, he was like, okay, you sell these downloads and then, uh, yeah, the, the rest will happen. And then there's also things like pushing your app to the top of the category ranking and then hoping that uh, organically thousands of people will download your app. So basically the problem is every app has the same kind of marketing plan when they think about how we want to grow. Some people are going like, okay, we have to throw a party and actually get started um, with uh, like having flyers and giving people our app on the street and one by one we will acquire users. But my idea or actually like this validated concept that I, I, um, I developed is that you don't start marketing or you don't actually start growth after you have the product and then you want to grow it. Growth starts with the product development. You want to produce something that the market actually wants. Because when you produce something that you think you want, and then you go and search for the right tactics to actually grow that thing, that's very hard. This is one, one process of mine when I'm starting to actually work with a client. I'm making an analysis if they have a solution that just they came up in their heads with, or that's something that the market wants. So market research is, is very, very crucial. This is why my app got from zero to 200,000 installs very quickly. Wow. And it wasn't actually the best app. It just satisfied a need that I, I saw in the market because I was part of the market. That was one of the advantages um, of me consuming a lot of content about fitness recipes and nutrition and actually healthy nutrition and, and um, how to build a fitness lifestyle into your everyday life. And I just recognized the need that I can solve with an app. And then I build an MVP and it just like got into the top 10 for health and fitness with a shoestring budget. Um, but yeah, market research before thinking about the product. And then when you, when you have a product that you expect it will solve a need, the best is, of course, to speak to your market and before you build the product, actually have their validation that you are solving something. So like speaking to 20 people and or 100 people, the more massive action you put in there, the, the higher your success odds, actually. So let's say we have a validated product idea and we still think about tactics, how to grow it. So what is there? There's Facebook ads, there's Instagram ads. People are talking about ASO um, at the moment. And then they are like, okay, let's start a blog. Let's start a podcast. Let's actually put the, the word out there. We need, we need a YouTube. And then the, 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 the false premise is to actually think about your channels as a checklist. Do we have YouTube? Yes. Do we have YouTube ads? Yes. Uh, do we have Facebook ads? Yes. Every of those channels is a word that somebody can master and, and, and really like put their whole life into that and, and still not be the best in the world. Like it's, it's really complex. Um, so don't think about it as a checklist, 
One extreme example is one client of mine. Uh, we analyzed their user acquisition. User acquisition means acquiring new app users stack, like the layer of how they actually get new users into the app. And it was 28 channels or something like that, that, that really got their focus. And they were wondering why they aren't getting downloads. Like, <laughs> I was like, guys, you are five people and you have 28 channels that can't work. Like, even if you have 40 hours a day, that doesn't work. Um, so really being crystal clear about how you want to promote your app. And the first step in doing that is finding the right channels. How do you find the right channels? You find the right channels by actually knowing who are you speaking to. That's really important in marketing. The target group, the market, who are you addressing with your message? What is your positioning? Why do you actually exist in the app stores? And there are a lot of apps that have problems with that, that actually just exist because the founder had an idea and they thought it's nice to have, and there's no market. And then they have a, a they contact someone like me and one like, okay, can you save us? And I'm like, there's nothing to say. You don't you don't have a product that people. So when but but let's say you, we have a validated product idea. And we know who we are talking to. So we have our bias persona uh, written down. We have our target persona down. And um, before we then get started and actually throw a lot of money into the app, we have to take a look at the product. But not only the product itself, we have to take a look at it data-driven. And here, a lot of app startups do the mistakes that they actually go into over-analysis and start to analyze everything and waste a lot of time. But no, just have an overview if the people that you get into the app stick to the app and not leave the app and never open it again. Because think about you, you have an app. It is like a leaky bucket, uh, we say in, in, app, in marketing. You have a leaky bucket where you throw water into the leaky bucket, of course, will lose all the water. You will lose all your users. So before thinking about growth, you actually have to reach something that is called product market fit. And product market fit means you give people something, show them something in front of them, and when they see it and you are speaking to the right people, they are buying it. They are downloading it. They are downloading your product because your product is at the right time in the, in, the, in the right place for them. This is product market fit. So when you have the market validation, the product validation, the target group validation, the, the, the um, actually retention is, is, uh, that people are getting into the app, then you can think about user acquisition. So I have, I have four filters where every other agency is like, oh, of course, we take your 10,000 euros and spend it and, and you will get nothing from it. <laughs> so, uh, and actually this filtering process is how I'm helping you to actually put a dent into the world. Because if you don't fulfill the purpose of your app, you will not change lives.
But if your app is actually fulfilling the, the value proposition, as it's called, like the value that you propose to your target group, it is possible that you can grow exponentially. And uh, one thing is very important to, to, to remember um, that, that is crucial. Pinterest, Uber, uh, Freeletics, MyFitnessPal, um, Facebook. Facebook is the, the, the biggest um, role model in growth. Everything comes from a systematic approach of growing building a growth machine instead of throwing money at channels and having a checklist. It is really about having a machine. It's really building that, that machine so that it gets the users into the product that you want and they stick to your product. And right. this is basically how I'm helping apps. All right. That was an amazing detailed answer, but let's play something like this. Okay. Cool. Let's say I'm the CEO of an app, uh, a podcast game where the main hero is John Lee Dumas. Okay, that was just made up in my mind. Yeah. Okay. How can you help me grow actually the player the player base to yeah. actually promote it better? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you are John Lee Dumas in this game. Yep. Okay. So what we get started with is we think about what are you sitting on? What kind of channels are you sitting on? Um, what kind of uh, lists are you sitting on? And how is your plan to actually promote to the people on your list? If they fit your target group, if your market really wants that. So it's, it's a podcast app. There are, there are some uh, podcast apps that have good traction. Um, I don't remember the name, but there's one that actually had a, a, a really big round that they raised. Uh, I look it up. Maybe, maybe we put it into the show notes or something like that. But there's a podcast app that is doing a good job. So you are John Lee Dumas. So you have a list. So we think about how can we prepare a launch on actually making it the most attractive for the people that you actually already have in your community. So we want to get as many people into the community as possible. But we don't just throw the people into the community. What we do is we take a look at your app in the app stores because there's something called organic uplift. For um, every user that you throw into your app store and they download the app, the algorithm sort of gives you free traffic from organic search, from the category rankings, and from the recommendation engine in the app source. So what we want to do is we want to be as optimized as possible in the app stores right from the beginning and really have the mindset that we don't optimize one time, but in order to optimize the organic uplift over a longer period, we optimize our keywords um, continuously, meaning we take a look based on the traffic of how much traffic we get we take a look at the keywords. Okay, do we fit our, our, our keywords all in the top 10 or are some lacking behind? Are we getting enough traffic to actually get more keyword traffic? So there's a, um, a technique behind it. There's like a sort of dynamic behind, behind keyword optimization. It's not just throwing 
random keywords into your title and your subtitle and in the back end. It's really about being strategical about it. And what we do is, uh, besides having a plan on how we activate your own channels, the community that you have, we are having a plan on actually um, what kind of keywords do we need to target. So very crucial in that step is keyword research. And keyword research is an art. It's, it's really about like, what are the 20% of keywords that give you 80% of the traffic? And I had a lot of trial and error doing that. I was like having matching, well, not algorithms. I was always using tools, not like making it bigger than it is, but like using thousands of keywords, matching them with each other and like ending with a keyword list of multiple thousands that don't give you any return at all. So uh, start lean, but start with a broad keyword research that fits around 500 keywords highly targeted to your niche, to podcasting. So don't go into the market and be like, okay, the only thing people are searching in the app stores is podcast app. No, no, definitely not. There are at least 50 cinnamons with long tails uh, for each that are relevant and give you thousands of users for free. So um, doing great ASO, activating your own channels, and then when, when you have a little bit of uh, traction in your app, um, at the beginning, we just let a little bit, uh, a few people of your email list into the app to actually check if, if people like your app, if they are engaged within your app, if they share your app and stuff like that. Just having a, a good overview of the metrics in the app. Therefore, you need a good event tracking setup but uh, that's, that's uh, what a developer can help you with. And I'm working with developers actually setting up events, but measuring what is happening in your app is crucial because you don't want to lose your app uh, users. And when you lose them with like pilots, uh, pilot users, you want to know why you lose them. Um, when we have a pilot of, let's say the email list of John Lee Dumas is 300,000 people, we only send the email to 5,000 people, from that we get 20%, 1,000 clicking on it, therefore 500 new users. And we observe how those 500 new users are moving in the app closely. And then step by step, with also having a look at the, at the keyword rankings and how it develops, how we develop in the category ranking, um, we get more and more users in there we try to build up virality. Um, we also activate social media. We might do a little bit of Facebook advertising in order to test our positioning and, and how they resonate with the market. Uh, the, the market resonates with the message. And only when you have the feeling, okay, my retention is strong, people are sticking to the app, people are sharing the app, um, people are actually listening to the podcasts on the app, um, and, and the, the users on the channels are loving it, then we go into paid and then we get started like purring money in, on it. But you, you, you can go quite a long time when you're John Lee Dumas without spending any money, when you're taking the energy that is available and, and linking it to the right kind of uh, yeah, area. I love the whole conversation, man. It's so much value drop right here. I just forgot the cutting of the bombs, man. <laughs> thank, 
no thank problem. you for thank you for that one hour talk. It was amazing. But one last question: We're going to wrap up the interview. Yeah, no okay. problem. How can my listeners contact you because they are hungry for more? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, I I have a community that is called Muga. It is the Mobile User Growth Accelerator. It is for um, marketers and startups alike. So we have marketers from eBay, marketers from um, good startups that raised huge rounds, um, as well as uh, very early stage um, startups in there. So they can get into Muga and uh, apply for it. You can find it on my LinkedIn. You can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm posting uh, content uh, relatively regular, so I'm I'm uh, actually in the in the point of uh, really thinking about what is the most value that I can add in the app marketing space. Um, so producing more content right there. I also have a YouTube channel, but the main thing is really Muga and LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, just reach out. Let's have a, c- a conversation. I'm I'm always open to share. Uh, I, I like the idea of actually helping people because there are a lot of people that, that waste their time with having, a, having an app idea, being in over-analysis mode and actually not getting one step closer to their goals. I have been there, guys, um, but there's a better way. There's always a better way. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, man. I'll see you soon. I hope we're going to stay connected because I love the conversation. I hope we can do some future collaboration. Who knows? I want to make myself on my own app. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, when you're getting into that YouTube SEO thing, uh, let's let's stay in contact. That that might be an interesting yeah. thing, also for my clients. Ooh, definitely it will be. Okay, man. I'll see you soon. I'll contact you right away after the interview because. I want to say one big ass thank you again. I love the conversation. One of the best interviews I made. Though every interview is good. Anyways, <laughs> I see you soon, man. See, see you soon. Bye-bye.